The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! <laughs> You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I must have been paying attention When you were just talking to me Do you think that you could repeat the question? And I listen more attentively There must have been something People listening on the podcast are going to think that Paul Morano's not, not here. here. He didn't I know. Sing he's at a, all. He's not doing the ba ba ba. He's not he's doing very any focused. That stuff, right? Very, very good. focused. He didn't even get to the ba ba ba's yet. Ba 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 ba. Yeah. yeah Why would you kill that? You had to play the song longer. You. I, I just would like to set the record straight. <laughs> I play the entire yeah. file that you gave me. Well, actually, the entire file that we gave you was like wicked long. But somewhere along the line, it got truncated. It was wicked long, and then someone put a fade in, uh, and they left all the silence. Bastards. And there was nothing I could See do. See how they are? If you send me the full file, I will update that all for right. you. I'm going to have Maddie do that after we have, a, have our Maddie discussion this week. So no Maddie today, by the way, folks. Hey, how you guys doing? Good, good. Glad to, glad to have you along here. This is the Paying Attention Podcast. I'm a little under the weather today, so I'm struggling to talk. So I apologize for that as we go. Um, and I also apologize if I end up coughing into the mic at some point. We have um, Paul Morano is with us today. Howdy. We have the voice of God, Mr. Jonathan, with us. He's the voice of God, and I'm the voice of reason. Right. So that's sort of... They sort if, of you, go, if you do say so yourself. They, they sort of go together. Yeah, he has a very yeah. high opinion of himself, you'll notice. Yeah. Uh, I, he, think, he I think I have a higher opinion of Jonathan saying he's the voice of God. Really? All right. Very good. Fair enough. So we got a bunch of things I wanted to talk about today, Paul. We, don't, we have no Maddie to go through news, so um, I was looking for some news things that I thought would, uh, would really be Paul-centric. And Paul-centric news clips. That's an interesting concept. What did you find? And here's what we what, found. By the way, what is a Tom-centric news clip? Anything that has to do with sex. Tom, that's Tom-centric? Yeah. Okay. So this actually works I, out. I, this I, actually works out for both of us, this first story. Okay. If I could find it. So here's the headline. It's in the New York Post. It is shocking number of Americans have sex at work. Okay. Shock, which is amazing to me before we even get into the story. Because I thought anything sexual at work was considered sexual harassment or sexual assault. That you weren't supposed to tell a woman that she's got a nice looking dress on because that might, that might hurt her little feelings and she'll wilt like a flower. And we need laws mm-hmm. to protect her from these things. And yet it really seems as though nobody gives a shit because everybody's having sex at work. And I know a lot of people that are married that met their spouses at work. So we've got two realities here. We've got the reality of the real world, and then we have the fake reality of the media, which tells us that none of these things are really happening. I would say that sex at work would be consensual on both ends. So anything that is said during that interaction, Mm -hmm. that inappropriate relationship, we'll call it, would be fair game. You'd be okay. You're safe from sexual harassment. Yeah, you would think so. Unless, Unless... one of you is a, a superior boss, right. and a man and the inferior is a worker woman. is yeah, a but woman. But if it was the other way around, that'd be okay. It would be completely okay. Absolutely. 
So from the New York Post, more than one in 10 Americans have, quote, done, their bi- done the business at their business, according to a new survey. A new study of 2,000 people found that 14% of those polled have actually had sex in their place of work. And these risky respondents don't always get away with it. Of those who say that they have had sex at work, one in five have been caught in the act. That's 19%. Uh, the new survey conducted by, by Sex Toy Store Eden... Well, we won't say who they are. Um, looked, at when, uh, looked at when work and romance interlinked and found that while some have done the deed at their place of work, as many as 44% of Americans have had full-fledged workplace romances. So, Paul... Yes, Tom. All of this is very confusing to me because we see these media messages every day. We listen to Democrats who live in a totally different reality um, telling us that um, when you're at work, you're not even supposed to tell anybody that they have a nice-looking dress or your hair looks nice because that might, that might hurt a woman's feelings. Even though they're supposed to be equal, on the one hand, we're supposed to be equal. On the other hand, if you say something to a woman, that's terrible. But apparently, 44% of Americans have some kind of romance going on at work. And a full 14% of them are actually having sex while they're at work. And, and your question to me is what? Because there are so many different avenues we can go down yeah. here. See, he's looking for a way to ask me a question, and I'm no. not going to give him that opportunity. <laughs> but you didn't ask me one yet. Well, so I'm, I'm, looking waiting. For your, I'm waiting for your response. I, what do you I, think? I, I, there's a whole, whole oh, bunch of oh, things well, to then, think about well, this. Oh, well, then pick one. <laughs> right. I've done it. I've had sex at work. I've had sex at work. And uh, I was caught. You were caught. Yes. I've never been caught having this is sex the, at work. That was the voice of Jonathan speaking, say, saying that, not me. He wants to make sure that all of his religious <laughs> friends don't think he's the one that said all that. Right. First of all, uh, if you want my honest uh, opinion of the assessment of the no, entire no, thing. No, no, no. I want you to lie, my, and I want you to okay. tell us a dishonest <laughs> assessment of what's going on. All right. Dishonestly, it's, it's just fantastic. No, honestly, um, it is confusing because the Me Too movement is, uh, has not really define the parameters of what exactly uh, uh, constitutes moral uh, sexual advances and moral sexual behavior. So I think there's a lot of confusion today. However, I don't think the confusion started with the Me Too Too movement and and, uh, what's going on with the rules. I think the movement started with the invention of the birth control pill. And I think that's when all the confusion began. but 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 in full disclosure, you think everything bad in the world started with the birth control pill. I think a lot of the ills that we have today, including the uh, depopulation and cultural suicide of virtually every European and American uh, nation today. Can you say that like in words that people can understand at home? I think that... Like, like, we're, not in, like we're not in a college class. Well, it's, it's simple. For the past couple of generations, uh, uh, Europeans and Americans have been having their 1.4 children while Muslims overseas and Hispanics underneath us are having their nine to 10 children, uh, like Americans used to have a couple generations ago, it's not going to be long before all of uh, Europe is, is lost. And the United States, the only reason why we're, I think the only reason, one of the biggest reasons why we are accepting all the illegal aliens that we have is to make up for all of the people that should be here that aren't because of the contraception, abortion Yeah, but why do we need them? Why do we need Isn't people? it bad for the environment to have more people? Why don't we just have less people? What's I, wrong with that? I don't know how I feel about them breathing my air. Right. Yeah. I need my air. You need your air. I think there's enough air to go around for a whole slew of people. I, I, listen, and I don't think you're wrong. The, the numbers actually correlate. The number of abortions that have, that have happened 
in the last like 20 years directly correlate to the number of illegal aliens we've accepted in the last couple of years or immigration that we've had in the last 20 years. And I know that there are schools of thought in the political world that that's one of the reasons why we need it. I'm just not sure where they came up with that. Where did they come up with the idea that we need these people? Like, okay, it's terrible. I'm against abortion. We shouldn't, we shouldn't the be economy. anybody. The economy will go south without them. What? How? Well, in, in short, I think that young people, teenagers, people b- before they start their so-called careers were the na- people that naturally fill these positions. Mm-hmm. There aren't as many of them from, from, uh, from the countries, the native countries that they live in, so you need something to fill that void in order for Why? the... The economy Wouldn't to, it just to be, be better afloat? if we had fewer people in the United States? Think how great that would be for the environment. Fewer trash well, being being. No. Um, Bill Burr says that, you know if you wiped out if you wiped out a slew of people and brought it down to a reasonable fifty thousand, we could all go to the Super Bowl. Some of us could play in it. I mean, it would just <laughs> yeah, be, be great. Lanes <laughs> would be opening up on the highways. See, I'm not big on people. When I when I when I finally decide to retire and, and skip out of this place, and I'm not telling well, anybody when I do it either. I'm just going to leave. The, I'm going somewhere where there's no people. The problem is, people your age and older, uh, there's a whole slew of us, mm-hmm. and they're, um, you know, the baby boom generation, and they... I think you mean white people, right? Well, uh, no. Okay. I just mean older people, and without younger people, there's nobody to pay the bills, nobody to pay Social Security and Medicaid and, and the, for the, the nursing homes that people without money don't have and all that kind of stuff, so... It's, you're creating a demographic imbalance that is coming back to bite us big time. So back to our topic here with people having sex at work. Yeah, they shouldn't have sex outside of marriage. That's where I begin. Yeah, so to Paul, all sex is wrong unless you're married. That's correct. Right. That is correct. Thanks for coming, folks. Good night. That's where I begin. You want to know where I the begin? the end of the show. That's where I begin. Now continue, and I'll, and I'll, I'll talk about it all right, more. So here's more, more from the story. Mm. An office romance can be great for company morale, according to the survey. 92% of those who responded who have workplace romances reported that it made them more excited to come to work. Well, yeah, if I was getting some at work, I'd be more excited to go to work every day, too. I just assumed that was a double entendre, and you did it on purpose. So I just let it go. <laughs> what, what? I didn't. Whatever it was. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any problems with uh, office romances. The notion that you shouldn't date people at work or even your boss, I, I, I don't have any problems with it. Oh, I'm so against it. Really? I'm so against it. Yeah, I think, well, I think I'm with Jonathan. The breakup, Why is the that? breakup is so horrific, and now and you're you to work with them dread going to work. Well, right. you got to be smart. You got to. You shouldn't start a romance if you're going to break up. Well, here's the real question: that neither. <laughs> did, that's the <laughs> most ridiculous thing you have ever said. I know, but the funniest. No, it's it's. I mean, we shouldn't just be uh, cavalier with romances. Of course, if they're going to break up, you shouldn't give your whole heart. It'll just break. It'll shatter. So. We should have women should living smart. on one side of the Mississippi and men living on the other, <laughs> and we meet in rafts right, yeah. to procreate right. and then go back uh, to our separate ma- sides. But only if Paul performs a marriage ceremony for you first. I would like to get married and then divorced right. on the same day. Yes. See, we need to go back to what used to be called courting. And courting, people actually took their relationship seriously. It was to see if they were the right, they were right for each other in mm-hmm. order to get married. So there was no using each other. There was no uh, horrible heartbreak. I'm pretty sure there's always been using each other. Uh, well, of course. I'm just saying the, the model itself. I see. Um, it was better for the family and society. See, I'm against sex with someone that you work with because what if the sex is bad? 
And now you get to see this person every day. Well, you said you said the ro- office romance. That doesn't necessarily mean sex. No, but we had two things that we talked right. about. Okay. We talked about people having sex at work and people uh, having romances at work. Okay. Uh, 14% of people have sex at work. And then it was somewhere around 44%, yeah, it's 44% of people have romances at work. Yes. I think they're both terrible for the same exact reason. I, I agree with what you said earlier. A lot, of, a lot of people do meet their uh, future spouse at work. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with romance mm-hmm. at work at all. In fact, where else are you going to meet somebody? At a bar? Well, that's true. You don't want to meet anybody at a bar. Well. I hate bars. I hate meeting, I hate meeting people at bars. I've had women come on to me at bars and I say no because we're in a bar. It's like, no, actually, actually, I appreciate the offer, but no, no, thank you. 60% of all work relationships have ended in a breakup within 12 months, according to the survey, Paul. 60% of all work-related... So now you've, you've had a romance with someone at work, mm. right? Yeah. It was probably good at the beginning, like most relationships are pretty good at the beginning. And then we're going to segment right into like a relationship show, aren't we? Um, and then they break up within 12 months. And now yeah. you get to see this person every day. And usually when you break up with somebody, it's like as we talked about in our last relationship show, it's usually a bad breakup. Like usually when you break up with someone, there's animosity there. So now how do you, how do you work harmoniously with this person? Say like your boss puts you both on a project together. Yeah. And you, and, and you, know, you, you were doing the nasty for 12 months and now you're not. And, you, and the breakup was pretty bad. And now you're going to like sit together with this person. You actually have to work and, and produce something for the company. I'm going to say if the relationship lasted at least 12 months, the sex was pretty good. So you got a shot at some rebound sex mm-hmm. during the project. Well, you're probably right about that. Rebound sex is always important. And the key to this is just like in any situation, when you give notice and uh, work so that you, you can rely on that job for a reference, you should be breaking up nicely with each other right. so that you can... Live civilly. I think all relationships should break up nicely. Uh, you guys, should, you guys are violating, uh, without realizing it, our human nature. It's impossible to break up nicely and cleanly and uh, without any heartbreak or no, anger. No, it's not uh, impossible. If, I, I, let me just finish the sentence. <laughs> if He's going to qualify it now because he knows he's wrong. Especially if there was sexual intimacy involved. No. Of course you're not going to say, okay, that was, uh, that was cool. We'll see you later. I have uh, dated women that I've had amazing yeah. sex with. That we had a great relationship, and then it just didn't work out, and we parted our separate ways, and are still friends today. And I would say that I'm friends with every single girl that I've ever dated, except for one, and I don't care for her, but she found me on Facebook 10 years later, and I can be cordial. Right. She lives in Texas. She has two kids. Yeah, she's, she's far married. enough away you can be yeah, nice to her. Yeah, I can be nice to her. Right. She still owes me $400. That's, that's the sticking point. So... Not that I'm keeping track. Right. Just I, with, with the exception of women I was in very long-term relationships with, I'm still friendly with almost every woman I've ever dated. You know, the, the, the two or three women I had long-term relationships with, none of them want to talk to me. But women that I've just dated, women that I've just had sex with, women that I, I even went out with, because the difference between dating and going out, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, almost all of my breakups have been, have been, have been okay. I think uh, you're both a little bit in denial. In other words, he thinks we're lying. No. no. I think you believe you're telling the truth. But I think there's a, it's a little more complicated than that that you're not even consciously recognizing. No, listen. There was, look, the At the point of the breakup, of course, there's a little, you, you've got that separation anxiety yeah. where now there's no one in my life and you're depressed. Yeah, there's, there's badness. The but only thing that depresses me is that the sex stops. 
That's the only thing that depresses me when I break up with somebody. You're a little more animalistic than I'm I am. I'm definitely I, an animal. I end up with emotional ties to people. And What is this weird is. emotion that you speak of? <laughs> what does that mean? I'm unfamiliar with that term. Not all of us can live our lives as functioning sociopaths. All right, Paul. I think we, I, I think we've high functioning sociopath. I think we've exhausted this topic. I think. Well, we we could zero in on the question of what does what does me too mean in this kind of context, mm-hmm. and I don't know is my answer. I think it has something to do with consent, but how do you measure that? I've been accosted so many times by women without giving consent, mm-hmm. and yeah. I don't hashtag me too. I mean it. It is what it is. You, you're in a situation and things happen and some old lady grabs your tush and, and, and you just move on. You giggle. and You mean you didn't go to therapy when someone no, grabs No, because your it, ass? I consider the intent of the offense, if you will. So if a little old lady grabs my butt as I'm walking by and, and I'm at, a, at an event DJing and she gives me a little squeeze, I kind of say thank you and you wink at up. her and you suck it up. Right. What if it was a beautiful girl? Same thing. He grabbed back. I wouldn't grab back. No, you wouldn't. No, I, I, I certainly don't want to be violated, but I'm not going to join the Me Too movement just right. because somebody. So See, here, I, I have the opposite problem. Yes, I've had women grab me, but I have had even recently, I have more gay men sexually assault me. Get out! I swear to. We've talked about this. Even when we were on CAP, we talked about this. I was in, I was in Coles one day, which used to be Bradley. So I think it was Bradley's back then. And I had this guy following me around, and I think he thought I were I at the time I thought he thought I worked there, and he kind of like was trying to get my attention. And every time I went to a different department, there he was. So I finally turned around and said, "Listen, I don't work here. I don't know why you're following me around." And he and he grabbed my package, and said, "No, I just thought you were really cute." And I was like, "Yeah, don't do that again, okay? <laughs> you're gonna not do that again, or there's gonna be a real effing problem here." Um, and it happens. I don't want to say it happens a lot now, but it still does happen. And I don't go to therapy. I don't join a, I don't join a discussion group. Um, I I'm don't, honestly I, a little flattered when I do get hit on yeah, of by, course. by a gay of course. man. But I don't lose any sleep over it. So I don't wait, 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 wait. Attention's <laughs> attention, Paul. <laughs> right. Jonathan, you're a little flattered when you're hit on by a gay man. Yeah, it is yeah. what it is, man. He thinks right. I'm attractive. He thinks and I'm it, cute. Uh, okay. It's fine. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not, I'm not okay. offended by it in any yes. way. I'm not bothered by it. I, I like it. Well, wait, wait, I, I, suppose, it. I suppose it means... I always wondered a, about you. It depends on what you mean by hit on. Not, not accosted like Tom. No, I've had, I've, had, uh, I've had some interactions similar to Tom's, identical to Tom's. Mm-hmm. And really? Uh, honestly, I'm Where still... Where do you guys go? I can, tell you, I can tell you, the, the, other than the recent one, the last time mm-hmm. it happened, I was at the Blue Dolphin. And I didn't know that the Blue Dolphin in New Hampshire, I think it's in Portsmouth, maybe is a place where a lot of gay guys go. So mm. Melvin Taylor was playing, and he sent me a thing saying, I'm playing at the Blue Dolphin, why don't you come watch us, watch us play? I was with Penny at the time. So we went. So we got a table, and Penny was giggling the whole time. We had a couple of friends with us. They were kind of giggling. Though, like, there was a little thing going on that I didn't know what was going on because nobody told me this was a place where a lot of gay people hang out. So Penny handed me like a $20 bill and said, can you go to the bar and get me a drink? Okay. So I go to the bar, and I'm standing there, and this guy starts hitting on me. So I just get away from him as quick as I can. But I'm in a bar. There's no, not really a lot of places I can go. I go to the other end of the bar, and another guy hits on me. And I look over, and everyone at my table is just in hysterics. They think it's the funniest effing thing in the world. By the time I got back to my table, I get hit on by like four more guys. And I was like, 
whatever. Just whatever. Like, what do you do with that? There's nothing you can do. I look at it as my fault for wearing the pink suit to begin with. Well, that's yeah. true, right? Basically me, waving a flag around. Let me go back about five minutes here. All right. Um, Jonathan, you were mentioning that it's, it's flattering when a, when a woman does that to you. Do you think there's anything different psychologically when a woman gets hit on versus when a man gets hit on? Because there probably is, no? I'm sure that because of right. our makeups, yes. there is a difference. It's always different. Right. X and Y chromosomes Men and women are different. Are. So, so when a woman is accosted physically, let's say somebody grabs her butt, um, it's a little different uh, in terms of its effect on her than if you were to be butt grabbed by another woman, by a woman. By a woman, yeah. yes, and and honestly, but it, when it, it comes to terms of a, of a guy, if I I feel strongly that I would like I would stand up for myself if somebody was really pushing themselves on top of me. I'm not saying that I'm a tough guy, but I I would go to blows if I had to to defend myself, and that is something mm-hmm. that a woman would may not be able to do if the guy was say twice her size. Yeah, that that plus she probably feels a little more violated than you would feel if a woman did it to you because. Sexually, a woman is sort of the receiver of, of the love interaction, whereas a man is more the giver. I agree with you. So, Tom, that would be the difference. I, I, was, I was so going to go somewhere with that, but I'm just not going to. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. Not going to do it. Listen, I, I don't understand. Maybe because I'm a guy, I don't understand. Women who are, let's say, sexually assaulted, um, someone grabs a woman's ass. That's a sexual assault, right? You need therapy for that? Like you were in a bar and some guy grabbed your ass and now you need to go, you're going to lose sleep, you're going to cry yourself to sleep and you need to go talk, you need to go talk to someone about that. I, I, I just don't get that at all. Well, there are two things like here. Like it's to- different. I mean, if someone's raped, if, if, if there's like a, a traumatic thing that happens to you, that I get. But if some, if some guy grabs your ass or some woman grabs her ass, I don't understand why you need therapy for that. I just don't. I don't understand why you need to cry yourself to sleep or why you, why you wouldn't just suck it up and move on with your life. Like, I don't get it. And again, maybe it's because I'm a guy that I don't get it, but I don't. I don't understand it at all. And there are two things to consider here, the trauma and the justice. So one question is, does a person really need um, therapy for something like that? Another is, is it such an un- injustice that uh, the man should pay for it? Well, listen, anybody who assaults someone else should pay for it. All right. That I agree Uh, So that part of the Me Too movement uh, you agree with? Yes. All right. I agree with that, too. You shouldn't shouldn't assault people. Right. Uh, Assaulting people is bad. Assaulting is bad. Uh, But if you do, you're saying, um, even though the man should pay for it, the woman shouldn't be all that affected by it. Well, I don't understand, especially in this world of men and women are the same. I I don't understand why. And again, only because it's happened to me, right? I've been sexually assaulted a number of times. I've never once been laying in bed thinking, oh, my God, this is so horrible and not be able to sleep about it. I've never gone, and gone to my pastor or my rabbi and said, geez, rabbi, I really need to talk about this. It's really bothering me. Some gay guy grabbed my package. I, I've never done that. I've never even thought of doing that. The only time it even comes up is when we have these kind of discussions. But it's not anything that's ever bothered me. Do you think that these discussions are part of your therapy? Oh, listen, this whole show is my therapy. <laughs> this whole show is my Why therapy. Why don't we rename it? Tom's Therapy Show. Therapy with Tom. So, all right. Have we exhausted this or is there more to discuss? People having sex at work. Don't have sex at work. It might seem fun in the moment. And I understand it's hard to reject it if someone's coming onto you at work. But boy, nothing good can come of that. It's very dangerous. You know what you do is you say, listen, why don't I meet you after work? We'll go have a drink. Then you have sex. Okay, maybe. 
but not at work. You don't want to have sex at work. And this is me saying this, right? So, all right, kids, thanks for coming. Do we take a break or do we go to another, uh, another topic? All right, we'll, we'll, hit, we'll hit one other topic. If ever you want to talk about the meaning and purpose of human sexuality on a beneath-the-surface level, I'd be happy to yak we with We would you. need a four-hour show <laughs> and 57 advertisers to be able yeah. to get to that. All right. Paul, Paul wants to go so far beneath the surface that nobody knows what he's talking about. Just a little bit. So in Andover, there's a story in Boston.com today. And it's very confusing to me. I thought maybe Paul could help us out with this. Maybe Mr. Jonathan can. End of a high school is pulling its yearbook. Anybody see this? Yes, I heard about it. You did yeah. hear about yeah. this. I'm surprised I just learned about it 10 minutes before the show. End of a high is pulling its yearbook because administrators realized that a senior used a, not, a quote, Nazi quote in his senior quote in, his, in, in the yearbook. In a letter addressed to the school community... Principal Philip Conrad, who, by the way, is a nutcase, said on Wednesday that the administration was, quote, horrified, quote, horrified to learn now that one particular quote, unattributed on the yearbook page itself, is generally attributed to either Adolf Hitler or Joseph Goebbels about propagating lies and having people believe those lies to be truth. So... In this story, by the way, they don't tell you what the kid said. I can tell you what the kid said because just by what they, the way they described it. It was either Hitler or Goebbels, I don't remember which one said, that if you tell a lie, if you tell a big lie over and over and over and over again, people will just start to believe it. So this kid, who probably has no idea that Hitler's the guy that originally said it, or that Goebbels was the guy that originally said it, was trying to maybe even reference Donald Trump. Maybe he hated Donald Trump. And thinks Donald Trump's this big liar because he watches CNN every day. And, and, and put in his yearbook that quote, that if you tell a big lie over and over and over, people will start to believe it. But because it's, quote, generally attributed to Adolf Hitler or Joseph Goebbels, they've pulled the entire yearbook and they're having, quote, ready for this? An investigation. There are, there are girls getting sexually assaulted at, at the end of a high school. There are kids cheating on their, using their phones to cheat during tests at the end of a high school. You've got kids on a regular basis, because I have, I have some teacher friends over there. You have kids on a regular basis using anti-Semitic slurs against Jewish kids at the end of a high school. But this is what they've got to investigate. They've got to investigate why this kid used a fucking quote in his yearbook. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? I'm just laughing at the last three seconds of your, of your monologue. I mean, there. it's, it's <laughs> so mind-blowing that I'm living in a society where you've got a school uh, like Andover, and yes. they, they've had to pull the entire yearbook because of a quote that's not attributed to Hitler. His yeah, name's who, not who in makes, it anywhere. Who makes, who makes these laws about what the politically correct language is? Nobody. They just make like, it up as they go along. That's it, the, it's that's how the they problem. feel as they go. That's how it works. That's the problem. It's, yes. he's, not, he's not saying... Um, Nobody said, even mentioned Hitler's name, right? No, it's, his name's never mentioned. All right. But it's generally right. attributed to him. And by the way, I'm sure a thousand other people have said that throughout history. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure Hitler's not the first guy to come up with that. But because it's generally attributed to Adolf Hitler, and believe me, and I'm a Jew, okay? So this is not like, you know, I'm not an anti-Semite in any way, shape, or form. But give me a effing break <laughs> that you're going to pull an entire yearbook and, and launch an investigation. Uh, like, what are they investigating? Like, I want to know how yeah. much, I want to know how much faculty at Andover High School are getting paid overtime to, quote, investigate this quote. 
Mm. Who do you hire to investigate something like <laughs> that? I, I don't. I, how do you do it, too? It, it's almost like we went through, like, it's almost like the, the, the Earth five years ago went through, like, another dimension. Like, we're in a twilight zone. We are, totally. And we don't realize that we're in a twilight zone. Oh, episode, I realize. But we are. I do. It's like no, up is down, we, down is up, wet live, is dry. We, we live in the age of insanity, as I always like to say. It, it, this is, you, listen, if there's any story that's insane, this story is insane. So I don't know um, if so. Suppose this person said something that related to something that a famous communist said. Oh, that would well, that would have been okay. Would, I think that would have been okay. Yeah, that would have been fine. Uh, something Saul Alinsky wrote in his yep. book. Uh, you know, if he uh, quoted Pol Pot, that would have been just fine. I, I I would guess that that might be the case. Yeah. So I don't know. If this, he quoted Che Guevara, who actually like physically himself murdered people, that would have been just fine. Mm-hmm. In the end of a yeah. high school, because the end of a high oh. school's got okay. But let's, let's remember, the end of a high school is a very anti-Semitic. It's a very, very anti-Semitic school system. We had that guy. I wish I could remember his name, um, who tried to bring in the pro-Palestinian group uh, into end of a high school and was teaching anti-Semitic stuff in his classroom. Um, you can Google it. The Valley Patriot wrote three stories about it. Um, uh, you can Google Wheels of Hate. Valley Patriot. If you Google that, it'll come up. Because I remember writing the story. It's probably 2009, 2010. Andover High School has a myriad of problems, none of which are a kid using a quote that maybe Adolf Hitler might have said. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on. You had, a, you had a guy who was in charge of, I think, the hockey team that they were trying to fire because he didn't want to stop at McDonald's on his way back from a meet because the kid that wanted to stop, I guess the kid that wanted to stop and eat at McDonald's is the son of the superintendent. Or the chairman of the school committee, whichever one it was, that was a big, huge investigation. Huge. Look, Roseanne uh, Barr said something. She was immediately canned. Yes. Poof. Yes. Um, Samantha B said something. She still has a show. Joy Reid said something. She still has a show. Right. Steve Harvey. Do you remember Steve Harvey? I do remember Steve Harvey. Well, he's still on the air a lot. He's one of the, the biggest faces uh, you see on on television. How about those? Today. Whores, how about those whores on the View? Well, what, I'm, what I was about to say is on, strong on, language on, there. <laughs> on ESPN, Steve Harvey mentioned that uh, the Golden, Golden State Warrior basketball team was a bunch of gorillas. And he, mentioned, and he said it twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, no problems. He's black, though. He's black. So that's, it, that's why there's no problem. Right, there's a different yeah. rule. In, in the name of equality, we now have different rules for everybody. Uh, what about Robert De Niro with his of whole course. F. Uh, Trump? Of course, nonsense. Robert De Niro. F. Trump. Uh, now, is he going to be fired from every future job that he gets? Uh, uh, I'll never watch another balls. one of his movies again. I, I think that mo- uh, many of the public won't, but I, I don't think I'll be blackballed uh, by uh, Hollywood because, right. of, because of what he said. Certainly right. not. So I don't understand why, though, the news... I, I, I don't know. Well, just, I don't understand why, the, why does the news think that what celebrities think about politics is worth reporting. These are people who stand where someone tells them to stand recites memorized lines that somebody else wrote, acts the way someone, a producer, tells them to act, and make millions of dollars doing it, who gives a shit what they think about Donald Trump or Barack Obama or abortion or anything else? These are people who fake for a living. So when they get up and they, when De Niro gets up and says, fuck Trump, well, he's just acting. He's acting because he wants... He wants Hollywood to cheer for him because he knows everybody agrees with his opinion. But the regular people, this is the thing that's so messed up to me. Regular people buy tickets to see his movies. Right. Regular people buy I'll the ne- DVDs. I'll never, I'll never do it again. 
So why would you risk alienating right. the half of the country that voted for the sitting president, let alone there's probably 25% of the people that didn't vote for Trump mm-hmm. that believe that the office of the president should be respected? Who's the guy that said um, he's a basketball player who said he doesn't get involved in politics because Republicans buy sneakers too? <laughs> Who was that? I don't, it's probably Michael Jordan, but yeah, I, I have no idea. But it's the no same idea. principle, right? Like, why would you, if you have a business in Methuen, right? You got all this controversy going on in Methuen. You own a business in Methuen. Why would you go out publicly and castigate the mayor or defend the mayor, knowing that f- maybe 50% of the people in town are going to be pissed off by what you say and not patronize your business? That's what I don't get. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Well, a lot of things I don't get that's, today, that's, Paul. That's the practical question. Why would somebody do that uh, with regard to their own... Um, right. Well, we know De Niro did it because he's, spe- he's speaking the language of Hollywood. He's going to get more movie deals out of it, right? So if you're in Hollywood and you castigate Trump, they're going to hire you for more movies because you're one of them. But I don't understand why anybody else would do it. I don't get it. I don't get it. So let's take a quick break, Mr. Jonathan, if, if I haven't surprised you. <laughs> Sounds like you were in the middle of doing something else. No, that's else. all right. I apologize. We come back, I have to do a live read for Perez Funeral Home. A&M Auto Body. We got our friend Angelo over there. Angelo Memolo over there, he does great work on your car. So if you got a ding in your car, somebody hits you, you got a mechanical problem, you bring it to A&M Auto. He's on South Broadway in Lawrence on Inman Street. Angelo will take care of you. Um, so what's the address there? 341 Three, South Broadway, Lawrence, Massachusetts. Then we got Joe Zingales, Rosanna Zingales-Lopez from Century 21. They have been with us from the very first edition of the Valley Patriot. They've been with us from the very first Paying Attention show, which was in 1999, back when he was Remax. He's not Remax anymore. Now he's Century 21, Teams and Gallus. And they sponsor our bash. They gave a $1,000 scholarship this year. They gave a $2,000 scholarship last year. And that money comes right out of their pocket. That's not like they're collecting money from other people and just using it like I do. They actually took money out of their pocket. So I don't know why these guys love me so much. I really don't. But... Twin Lights, let me tell you how, how dedicated I am to helping my sponsors. The guys at Twin Lights Security needed an extra security guy to do private investigations and to do security for a certain thing in Boston. And they posted it on my page and asked if it was okay if they could use my page to solicit hiring people. And I said, you know what? As busy as I am, these guys sponsor the show. They sponsor the Valley Patriot. They give us $1,000 for the bash. I'm going to go work for these guys. So I called up Pat McLaughlin. And I said, look, you help us every single time we need something. Whenever I put out a call, you're there. If you need an extra person and you're short, I'll take the night off and I'll come work for you. And so I, ha- so I have been. I've been doing some work for them because they're helping us. And so there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to find a way to help them in the meantime. So if you need security or if you're getting divorced and you need a private investigator, if you have a business and you need a private investigator or security, uh, you want to call Twin Lights Security. They're based out of Gloucester, but they're very local. This would have been a good show to have Maddie. While we're talking about sex at work, her mother would be flipping out. 
Uh, so before we get back to the show, we have a new advertiser. Another new advertiser. I'm loving it. And by the way, every time Bill Green does a video, we get more advertising. He calls for a boycott once a week. He does a video on his, on his page. And I've got him blocked, so I can't see it, but people keep sending it to me. Um, and uh, one of those is uh, Michael Perez from Perez Funeral Home. So first, I just want to tell everybody this. If while I'm driving around Lawrence, I get shot and killed, make sure you get my body to Perez Funeral Home because we do business with the people who do business with us. And he's on South Broadway. With the, it, it's the old Scott Funeral Home. If, you were, if you're an old-time Lawrence resident, it's the old Scott Funeral Home on, on South Broadway. Perez Funeral Home at 298 South, South Broadway in Lawrence. Um, you can, they do crematory services. They do all the stuff that they're supposed to do, right? And uh, Mike's a, a good fan of the sh- big fan of the show. He followed us when we go live. He's an advertiser now in the print edition of the paper, and he's now sponsoring this program. Perez Funeral Home and Crematory Services, 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. We appreciate him. And you've got Veloz Auto Group as well. We have, oh, we have to, so uh, 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 Franklin Veloz from Veloz Auto Group, uh, he specializes in people that have uh, maybe bad credit, no credit, maybe you haven't had a job for a long period of time, so you don't think that maybe you qualify for a car loan. Usually, you know, they want you to have a job for a year or more. Uh, he specializes in getting people who have bad credit or no credit or maybe spotty credit, uh, getting them into a used car. He used to work for Charlie Dare's Commonwealth Motors for a long, long time, so he knows his stuff. I think he was a credit manager over there or something. So he knows what he's doing, and, um, and he follows us live, too. I really appreciate that he does. Every time I see him pop on, I'm very excited about it. And I was there yesterday to deliver his newspaper, and he said he's already had people come in. He's already had customers come in from us talking about him on this show. Uh, the paper just came out yesterday. So yesterday was his first print ad, so it couldn't have been from the print. It had to be from this show. So we appreciate Veloz Auto Group. Go see Franklin. He's at 17 Mass Ave. It's right at the very beginning of Mass Ave on the Lawrence Methuen. I'm sorry, the Lawrence North Andover line. On the Lawrence North Andover line. There you go. I did it twice for you. So appreciate that. All right. So, Paul. Do for you. No sex at work, right? That's, okay. what, we've, that's what we've established in the first hour, first half hour. Right? And, and, and no, se- no sex outside of marriage. We established that, too. I think you established that. I don't think the rest of us are on board with that at all. I think God established it. But anyway. Well, all right. Fair enough. I don't remember I that being one of the commandments. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it? Oh, yeah. It definitely is. It's a part of adultery. Adultery has, an, adultery has a narrow definition as well as a wide definition. And, in fact, with, uh, at the time when... Uh, God gave uh, the commandments, uh, those women who, particularly women, who were uh, known to be a non-virgin at marriage were stoned to death. I, I, I don't advocate that, but I'm just saying that it was a whole part of the, uh, part of the culture back then that uh, it understood that God's law was, uh, was that you uh, be virgins at marriage. Well, already then. <laughs> Awkward pause. But right. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious, though, before we get to the next show, why is it so awkward to talk about somebody's, a, a, a big portion of the world's belief about what God's will is? I don't think why that, is that that's so particularly awkward. I just think it was both awkward for uh, Tom and I, thinking that we both mm-hmm. probably would be stoned at this point. Well, yeah, I'd be dead a long time ago. Well, I mean... None of us are saints. I'm, I'm, that's not the point here. The point, Wait a minute. We know you're point, a saint, so don't be humble about the, it. I'm, I'm not. The point is, uh, you know, what is God's will? And I actually kind of think he is. And how to, how are we supposed to? He should to, be sainted. How should we? Uh, when he dies, to, I'm going to be the first guy to petition him how, for sainthood. How should we, how should we try to? Um, I'll second it. 
I can't even speak here. <laughs> Sorry. You but guys, we're saying nice things about you, so you shouldn't mind. I'm not a, yeah, but they're false things. I'm so, so not a saint. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, see, you don't see yourself as a saint because you're humble. Look. But you, you, you walk the walk. And one of the reasons why I like you as a friend and one of the reasons why I have you on this show as a friend is because so many other people are so full of shit. <laughs> and they say one thing and they totally don't walk the walk. And you do. And the fact that you do... I think elevates you to like sainthood status. No, I try to walk the walk, but if you were to know people that I hang out with on a semi-regular basis, you would think that I'm a sinner and they're a saint. So it's, it's all a matter of... Uh, so there are people who are more wildly religious than you are? Uh, more, there, there are people that seek God's will and, and more, perhaps more um, uh, successful than you, I am. You Absolutely. Of, you ever think about hanging out... Of course. You ever think about hanging out to, with degenerates like I do? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> no, he never thinks about that at all. No, I, I don't see why that why would not? be a, uh, why that would be advantageous. Because that's what Jesus did. Uh, Jesus purposely hung out with degenerates. <laughs> see, I got him, right? Jesus purposely well, hung out with degenerates. I mean, if you're a saintly person, hanging out with other people who share your view, you're not, you're not spreading the word. Yeah. You're not, you're not. Spreading niceness you're really or goodness. really not giving back to the community right. at that point. You you're just <laughs> sucking on the teat of the right. people better than you. Right. It's like someone who, yeah. you know, it's like somebody who plays tennis with someone who's way better than them because they want to make their game better. That's what, what Paul does. Screw the rest of us, yeah, right? Yeah, you should be playing I with people us. that don't play as well as you, you guys. You guys screw are the very you're, you're very funny. I go into the I go into the Lions Den uh, every day that I go into work. Well, that's true because you teach college. I teach college. Oh my god. And, and you know that mentality. I'd rather be a Lawrence cop than teach college. So, yeah, I mean, I get I get abused in ways that are very subtle. Uh, Hashtag me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because like uh, like your response but uh, a lot worse than that a lot of people hate the truth today and a lot of people are hiding from it so if you were to present it in a way that's non-threatening they see it as extremely threatening yeah anytime you tell somebody something that doesn't comport with they with what they want to believe yes even though deep down they might probably not believe it but they want to believe it yes they become hostile. No question. And, and that hostility sometimes comes out in passive-aggressive ways. Sometimes it's just downright hostile. Yeah. Like, I'm getting... Right. That's right. I'm getting now... It's been a while since I've had people handwrite hate mail to me, but I'm now getting handwritten hate mail on a regular basis from a bunch of different people. It's all different handwriting. It's, it's, all not, different, it's not typed. It's, it's handwritten. No, no, no. It's handwritten in pen. And one lady that I got, I should have brought it in with me. One lady, I opened it this morning, but I got it a couple of days ago because I'm late opening my mail. Um, she signed her name and her address on it. And it was just basically how much I suck. And, it, and, it, and it, hers was the same theme as all the other handwritten letters of hate mail that I'm getting. It all centers around the fact that I publish pictures of dead people. Yeah. So you had a guy last week on Hampshire Street was murdered. We had pictures of him. Um, we sh the pictures that I posted were of him with a sheet over him. So you can see his feet and his sneakers coming out of the, uh, coming out of the sheet. But you can't really see anything else. Um, I'm, st I'm still not sure why that evoked such hostile reactions that I'm getting mm. from so many people. You know, because we have pictures of him with six bullets in his back that his family was posting and that mm. everybody else on the planet was posting. I didn't post it. But if I posted it, that would have been the end of the friggin' world. I've always wanted to know, what is the unwritten rule regarding dead people? I, I remember when John Lennon was shot. One per, I think it was the National Enquirer. 
um, had a uh, picture of him dead uh, on it, probably the front cover, and everyone went wild. That mm. that was horrible for you to do that. Right. Um, I don't know how to think about that. Sh- is it is it too sacred to to picture a dead person, or is it only for the sake of the family that that would that would hurt? The lie that and I the lie I get a lot of hate mail on this. Yeah. I get hate email mostly, but now I'm getting handwritten hate mail, and they all center around the same theme. And they're all fucking liars, every single one of them. They all center around, what if that was your family? The family shouldn't have to see that. Okay, mm. let's review. First of all, the last three dead bodies that I showed on Facebook that I posted, we're going we're gonna to exempt the last one because the guy had a sheet over him, but I have posted actual dead bodies on, on, on Facebook, and I get the same reaction out of people. And by the way, they're all Latino, right? Okay, all right. I've been to a num- more Latino funerals and wakes than I can count. And it is standard in the Latino culture, especially the Dominican culture, to videotape and take pictures of the body in the casket at the wake. I remember when my father died, a guy came in with a camera and I was horrified, horrified that he came in with a video camera and videotaped my father Hmm. in his uniform, in a casket while the family was standing there. I was horrified by it. You were? Horrified. That he would just come in, I, and he come in and asked if it was okay, and maybe one family member told him, fine, mm-hmm. I probably would have been okay with it. But not knowing that that was going to happen, and then seeing it happen, I was horrified by it. But I go to Latino funerals all the time, right? Because I know I have a lot of Latino friends, and, you know, Latinos have very big families, and somebody in their family dies, I go. And some, there's always five or ten people going over to the casket, and it's not like a selfie where they're like, you know, they're getting themselves with the dead guy, but, but they're taking pictures, they're taking videos of the dead guy in the casket, Nobody ever, ever, ever once has ever said, well, what about the family? They're doing it in front of the family. It's accepted mm. in that culture. And yet every single frigging complaint I get about posting a dead body on Facebook, every single one of them is signed by a Latino complaining that the family might see it on, on, on Facebook. Very interesting. I've never, ha- I've never been tempted to, like my father died a few weeks ago. I'm, nobody in the family was ever even thought of taking a picture of him in the casket, even though he looked very good. Yeah. And I have never seen anybody on Facebook, I have over 3,000 friends, who has, pic- has a picture of their dead parents in a casket at their funeral home. Mm-hmm. I, I've never seen it. Is, there, is, this, um, is this still one of our culture's um, taboos, to have dead, pic- dead people I can tell you my in f- pictures? I, I, and I take a lot of shit for it, but my, mm-hmm. my policy, I have no written mm-hmm. policies at the Valley Patriot. I just kind of basically do it as I go. But my policy has always been, my unwritten policy has always been that if, it ha- if, if the news value of posting the picture outweighs the outrage that I'm going to hear about from the picture, I post the picture. Um, we had the picture of the guy on Hampshire Street with the six bullets in his back, and I didn't post it originally, and I posted the picture of the guy with the sheet. And then I got a flurry of people coming mm. on my page Complaining, what about the family? What about the family? What about the family? So you know what I did, Jonathan? I went to the family. I found who the family members were. I went to their Facebook page. And the first freaking guy that I found that was a family member of him had the picture that I didn't post. He's laying face down, and he's got six bullets in his back. And you can see the bullet. You can see the, 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 the blood um, on his shirt spreading where each bullet hole was. Uh, I wish we could pull it up, but I wasn't prepared to, to talk about it today. All right? So... The family is posting the picture of the guy with the seven bullets. They didn't seem to mind. But all the people who complained about it came to my page to complain 
Because what about the family? So what I've, what I've deduced from all of this and what I've learned from all this is that they're all a bunch of fucking liars, every single one of them, every single one of them. The real story here is they feel uneasy. The people complaining feel uneasy seeing that dead body. And they don't want to say I'm a little snowflake, it hurt my feelings when you posted that, I, I, it bothered me. They don't want to say that. Mm-hmm. So they hide behind the family. They hide behind, what if the fa-? And I always get, in almost every single one, I get, what if that was your family member? What if that was your father or your brother? Well, newsflash. You know how I found out about my father being murdered? On TV. That's how I found out. I turned on the five, o- 5 o'clock, I turned on Channel 7, and there's Jerry D'Amico with a picture of my father. That's how I found out. But not a picture of him dead. Not a picture of him dead, but I still found out about it on TV. I actually take exception in a, in a certain way, Paul, to your statement that maybe it's not part of the culture. In the hmm. 1800s, yep. the way that you got confirmation of someone's death is they would take pictures of the body, you know, the famous pictures of cowboys uh, in the actual wooden coffin with their eyes sewn shut and really? the whole bit. This was, this was part of American culture. You did photograph the dead bodies, and f- at some point in our history, we may have gotten away from that. Yeah. I didn't know. Why, we, why aren't you we need to watch it? more cowboy movies. Listen, I watch, Spanish, uh, I watch Spanish language TV all the time, right? Because I love Spanish women. Especially, I love to watch Spanish soap operas. And I watch the news when the news comes on after the soap operas. Their news is more violent than any horror movie produced in America. They show dead, bloody bodies in Venezuela. They show almost dead, bloody bodies in El Salvador. They show bodies that were hacked up by MS-13 in Mexico. And they show the bodies moving. It's not even dead yet. And they show it. And I'm sure all of these Latinos who are complaining to me, maybe because I'm white, I don't know, but all these people complaining to me are all consuming the same stuff. They're all watching Univision. They're all watching Telemundo. I think it's just an excuse to be a little bitch. That's what I think it is. So it's not immoral at all to photograph a dead person and put him, put him in public? I don't think so. Nothing sacred about that? I don't think so. All right. I don't know. I'm, I'm still sort of feeling out the... <laughs> I haven't really thought it through yet. Yeah. You guys can photograph me when I die if you're both still alive. Yeah. Can we put your, your head right over here? Like a, Absolutely. So right on the front screen. Even yeah. going back to CAP, Paul, how many times have yeah. I said to you, if someone walks into this studio and they shoot me right now, you better make sure that you get my camera yeah. and you film everything and you go live because you know the Tribune will screw up the story of my death. And I want people who follow me to know the real story. So I don't understand all this other stuff. I think there are people, individuals who have emotional problems who don't like to see these images. But what are like the top grossing movies? Aren't they all like horror movies? People getting hacked up. Oh, absolutely. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All this is, well, I mean, that's we're, true. We're in a violent culture that has violence around us everywhere. But, but Facebook, that's just wrong. If you post it on Facebook, that's just horrible. Why is it that people don't like to bring children to wakes? Um, I think a child's, I can tell you, my family, yeah. the first time someone died in my family, I didn't want to go to the wake. My aunt told me, you're going to see the dead body. And I was freaked out by it because I was a kid. Yes. And she said, it's good that you do it now because it was a distant family member. I didn't know the family member very well. And she said, it's, it, you're going to be going through wakes for your entire life. And your first body should not be someone like your father or your brother or your cousin that you know. So I think it's, go- I think it's good that you go. And I know you're going to be upset, but you should go. So I went. And she was right. She was right, because a couple of years later, somebody very close to me died, and I had to go, and I was prepared for it. 
I had already kind of gone through that with someone I didn't know. So I don't know why people don't want to bring children to wakes. I think it's something that they probably should go to unless it's, you know, unless it's their first time and it's their mom. You know, that, that's right. a little tough, right? But other than that, I, I, we live in a culture where there's death all around us and there's violence all around us. I mean, walk through Lawrence on any day and you see it. You see stabbings. You see shootings. We see it when we're driving around, right? And the guy that got shot on Hampshire Street, it was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It was two blocks from the Tarbox School and a block and a half from the Arlington School. And while I'm live, if you go on, if you go on my gallery on Facebook, find the video from that day, there are parents with their children standing around looking at the body before they covered it up, right? So I, I, I don't understand why seeing a dead body is going to freak somebody out so much. But if you're emotionally unstable and you don't want to look at a dead body, my very respectful advice is go the fuck somewhere else. Don't, don't come to my page. My page, I'm a news guy, is to present news and to present what's real not candy coat things and make it sound better than it really is because, you know, what about the family? Is the family... In this case, the family was the one pushing well, out the, the video, with the, the picture with the bullet holes. Do you think that people think that you're sensationalizing it and you're trying to build something out of... Uh, I hate to use the term make money, but, I mean, you're, you're a journalist and you get paid to be a journalist, so yeah. is it that they're thinking that you're using your journalistic license to make money off of the death of people. They might think that, but they'd be wrong because I make no money being out on the street. I make my money on advertising in the paper. And when I'm driving around chasing calls in Lawrence, I do it because I like it. I, I do it because it, it puts me closer to the real action. And when something happens, I can talk to the EMT. I can talk to the cop. I can talk to the firefighter and get the real story. So that when I write the story for the Valley Patriot website or the paper, I have right information. <laughs> But I don't get any more money. If I, go out, if I don't go out tonight, I don't lose any money. Gotcha. And if I don't go out all week, I don't lose any money because I, my, I make my money on print advertising in the Valley Patriot, which, which reminds me people should be advertising in the Valley Patriot if you appreciate what we do. So you, you're right. They may think that. They may jump to a conclusion, but that's all they're doing is they're jumping to a conclusion. And again, if it's not your son, I, I did get a call one day from a family member. There was a junkie in Lawrence last summer. He was face down in an alley off Common Street, and um, I, I didn't take the picture. Someone else took the picture and sent it to me. I verified what it was. I posted it. And a family member called me and said, the mother hasn't been notified yet. Now, by the way, I already know that that's not true, because before I posted it, I made sure that I called the cops and asked if the family was notified. They said yes. But I got a phone call from a family member, said the mother has not notif been notified yet. I would hate for her to see this on Facebook. Can you please take it down? Even though I knew the person was full of shit, I took, I didn't take it down. I made it private. Yeah. I waited 24 hours and then I, and then I, then I made it public again to make sure that maybe she's lying that the mother did know, did get notified, but maybe there's other family members that didn't. Sure. And I did post it a little right. quick. So I kind of acquiesced to that. But otherwise... If someone dies in Lawrence, if someone dies in Salem, New Hampshire, and I'm there and I've got my cameras going right. online. A couple, uh, couple of quick thoughts. Sure. Uh, does it portray the dead person in a good light? And is it seen as a private thing that shouldn't go public, sort of like somebody being nude? You know, you, you take their picture in, uh, on the, in their backyard. Or in their, is, is, it, is it that kind of private thing that people are uh, squeamish about. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, nothing, nothing makes me squeamish. 
I'm still having a hard time with that guy that got killed on Broadway. But other than that, really nothing that I've seen. So dead people do not have a right to privacy. Listen, if you're in public, if you're in Hampshire Street and it's four in the afternoon and the sun is high in the sky and there are children walking home from school over a dead body, I don't, I don't understand where privacy comes, in, comes into play there. I want to know what you think, public. Paul. Yeah, do Paul, what do you think, Paul? I told you. A dead I, person I, I, has pr- a right to privacy. I, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing these thoughts out. I'm Hopefully. just thinking. As a, <laughs> I don't opinion. have a conclusion. You're a devout Christian, and I believe that you would believe that once the person dies, their soul leaves their body and... Yeah. and goes off to wherever ever it yeah. goes off to. So they are no longer there. That is just a shell. Their soul is no longer there, correct. Well, so, and their soul would be who they are. Their, their downloaded information well, into their body is no, it's gone. I see, I see the human person a little different than that. I, As opposed to the non-human person. Yeah, that's a dualist understanding of the human, uh, the human being. I, I see it more hylomorphic. So in other words, I don't... Wait, wait, wait. You see it more What? Hieroglyphics? Hylomorphic. Hieroglyphics? There's, I believe in hylomorphism, that the soul is the very form and life of the body. It's not two separate things. So here's the bottom line. When a soul leaves the body, I don't say the person has gone to heaven or hell. I say the soul has because the human being is both soul and body together. Did you follow that, any of that? As a composite. Kinda. So you I have thought originally he was going with six feet under as some sort of heaven, depending on how good the casket was, but no, 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 he no, changed no. that. No, the soul is not the person. A, a, a real full human being is a body-soul composite. So a part of the person does leave. The body is still there. Yes. I, so so in, in, in what you were trying to say, is yes. Is there an I, answer in here anywhere? I agree with you that the body, the body is dead, but the body is still in some mystical way part of the human person as and opposed to the non-human person part of the human being why do you say human person by the way maybe for 15 a male years or i've been trying to figure this well, out it's it's, <laughs> it's you're human you're, human in person it's like oxy, it's an oxymoron they're the same thing right human in person no they're distinct they're distinct what is the difference between a human and a person a human is a is a homo sapien that um that has uh, body soul and the gift of reason um a person oh is not? A person is a subject with intellect and will. Now, all, all humans are persons, but not all persons are humans. I'm really regretting asking this question. So MS-13 members would not be they'd be, persons? They'd be, no, they'd, non-human they'd be, persons. They'd, they would be persons because they're non-human. humans. But not, they'd no, be, they, they would, they be, would humans. be non-human persons because they have no soul. They're, they're human persons. They've already surrendered their soul. Now, why would I say that all... Humans are persons, but not all persons are human. Yeah, we were just wondering that. Well, because the creator himself is persons, but he's not human. And angels, the world of angels. We just lost 50% of our audience. The world of angels are persons without bodies. They're not humans. And he wants to do four hours of this. He wants to do like a whole beneath the surface show where where he talks like this. So so my frustration with Paul is he's so friggin' smart that I think it's over so many people's heads that we lose people when he uses hieroglyphic... You know, you're really very rigid about certain things. You know what I'm saying? Certain things. Are you talking about Tom or me? You. Wait, wait, wait. What's what's rigid about making a distinction between the term human and person? We just want you to dumb it down to English. Like, because the average person I want an answer. I want an answer as to whether or not the, 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 the person that is 
that is lying there deceased, it, they, yeah, that I, they deserve rights. Uh, that's the that's the question. Right. Do, that's do, why he asked it. No, 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 this, I'm this, not this, saying that they deserve uh, that they, do they shouldn't have, desecrate the body or any of that. There, right. There's a certain amount of respect. This is a great question to uh, to explore. Does a dead person still have rights? No. Particularly to privacy. No. Now suppose. Uh, let me give you an example. Suppose right. somebody said, "This is a deep dark secret I have. I don't want." anyone to know. I don't want the children to know, the grandchildren, the neighbors. Please keep it a secret. Okay, the person dies. Do they have a right to that privacy no. anymore? Really? No. Interesting. No, you're dead. Jonathan, what do you think? If I, if I gave my word that I would never tell anyone, that is what I'm giving my so word it, so, to. So it continues after death then, you would say? Their, I think the contract, their contract to me doesn't yeah. continue, but because I said I would not repeat it, yeah. I would not repeat it. That's out of respect for it them. Has, it has nothing to do with respect for them. It has to do with respect for me. I'm, right. I'm a man a, of my word. He made a word. commitment. Right. So I said, I'm not going to say it again. I wouldn't say it again. It has nothing to do with whether they're alive or dead. I yeah, just would I never think say I would it. go the other way. I think once yeah, you, but it, but once it is out die. of respect for the contract that you made with them or the, the agreement that you made. Out with of them. respect for my half of the contract and I'm still alive. Now, if I die, yeah, Paul. then yeah. I would say it. Yeah. Once he's dead, he could say whatever <laughs> he wants. If it's in my diary or now something. Now I don't know what to, uh, That's. And it gets discovered. That's fine. I see. All right. Very good. So I think we're nearing toward the end of the show. Have we exhausted all of these topics? <laughs> Here's what we learned today. Don't have sex unless you're you married. That's Paul's edict. That's all God's right. edict, not mine. Well, it's Paul, it's Paul saying it's God's edict. Research all know. of your quotes that you put in your student yearbook to make sure they can't be associated yes, with don't, anything. Don't put a quote mm. in your student yearbook that might be generally attributed to somebody that the superintendent doesn't like. Right? Probably actually, shouldn't say F the president. Yeah, don't say F the president. No matter idea. who the president is. If, if you're an entertainer of any kind, don't take a side. Listen, if, 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 a, if, a, if a conservative Hollywood idiot got up and said F Obama, I would be just as outraged. I wouldn't be, be just, just as, as outraged. outraged, but I'd still be outraged. I'd be, I'd be much more shocked. Yeah, of course, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. The, Valley pa- the new Valley Patriots out on the street. We had Jeff Deal at the Daybreak Shelter on our front page. We appreciate both Karina Papalato and Jeff Deal for doing that. Melvin Taylor says you got to go home, so go home already. And as Ronnie Ford would say, we wish you enough. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.